Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, Adelaide United family, Jared Walsh here, live from lockdown. Uh, thank you very much for joining us at the Adelaide United Digital Fans Forum. It's a unique experience as everything is in 2020, 2021. Uh, first of all, on behalf of Adelaide United, we appreciate your understanding. Obviously, we initially had to change the date a couple of times for this Fans Forum. We wanted to do it in person even though this lockdown has occurred in South Australia, it's really important as the Adelaide United Football Club that we continue to connect with our members and our fans, you, the hardcore supporters, because before we know it, the new season will be here. So this is a great opportunity to speak to some of the powers that be at the football club and, of course, you, the fans and the members. We will get to how you can ask some questions very soon. But again, thank you very much for your understanding. Uh, a huge thanks as well to the partners of the Adelaide United Football Club. We can't stress this enough, especially over the past couple of years with COVID, where businesses um, have to make tougher decisions where they want to invest and partner with their money and business. And we are so grateful for the ongoing support of Flinders University, one of our premier partners, SA Power Networks. Now, Platman and uh, Gold Partners, Starfish Developments, Australian Outdoor Living, UCAN McDonald's, RAA Hope and Comwire IT. Thank you for your continued support. We are so grateful for that and looking uh, forward to the ongoing relationship that you have with the Adelaide United Football Club. Now, some uh, general housekeeping. First of all, we are in lockdown. Everybody's doing online shopping for toilet paper and things like that. Hopefully, you are stocked up. We do have a very special lockdown merchandise sale at the moment. So, this is free Australia-wide shipping. All you need to do is go to shop.adelaideunited.com.au. For all of the incredible merchandise, the UCAN range looks amazing this season. These shirts behind me, this way, I'm, I'm still trying to get the cameras uh, correct at the moment. The shirts look amazing. All of the merchandise this year has been absolutely outstanding, and we can talk to Carl and Nathan about that very soon too. We will have a panel of experts tonight. Very soon I'll introduce you to our CEO, Nathan Cosmina. We have our coach, Carl Viet, and Stefan Mork, our captain for this season, will join us not too far away. If you have asked a question, members, if you were planning to ask a question in the live forum that we were going to do, your questions will be asked first. Um, if you are watching on YouTube, you, of course you can ask a question in Facebook. There's a couple of things with the Facebook stream tonight. If you want your name associated with your question, which I believe is very important to do. Um, uh, what you need to do uh, in the chat that we have on this stream at the moment, at the very top of the chat, there is a link. If you click that link, that will take you to the place where you can put your name in and the question that you want to ask the individual on the stream tonight. It is a huge day for football in Australia. Obviously, the Oli Roos not too far away are going to be taking on Argentina. And congratulations to the Matildas last night who got the job done. It was a bit nervy in the end um, against New Zealand 2-1. Just for some context as well, how stressful everybody is about the Tokyo Olympics at the moment. Here in South Australia, um, COVID is being managed to the best of its abilities. And as we know, we are trusting all the professionals to take care of that. I've just read then that in Tokyo, they have just reported 1,900 79 new COVID cases on the eve of the opening ceremony of the Olympics. So we should be really grateful for what we're doing here in South Australia, continuing to be the safest state in Australia so far. I don't want to talk too much about COVID apart from saying thank you for your understanding. As I welcome the CEO of Adelaide United, Nathan Cosmina and Carl Viet, our head coach. First of all, guys, Nathan, I'll start off with you. Talk about your lockdown situation at the moment. How are you going with kids at home? Because I am struggling. Yeah, it's difficult. Um, day two, I suppose it's not too bad. I think if we start going beyond seven days, um, it will become a little bit tiresome. But 
juggling working from home with uh, two young children, um, you know, utilising that uh, one uh, or 90 minutes of exercise a day as best I can. Um, but otherwise, not too bad. Day two, it's probably easier than it uh, will be in time, should, we, um, should it extend beyond seven days. And Carl, we're supposed to be doing pre-season at the moment. The off-season went very quickly. So for yourself, how are you keeping yourself busy? And should we lift the kind of curtain on this live stream saying that if your stream cuts out, is, is your son really playing Fortnite next door, which may be affecting internet connection? Yes, he certainly is. So you might hear him scream every now and then. Um, he's had a tough day today. He was homeschooled today by myself. So um, he's had a tough day. Okay. So how are you keeping yourself busy? I'm watching lots of videos of um, players that we're looking at. Um, so, um, as you said, today was supposed to be first day of pre-season training. So, um, yeah, it's disappointing, but, um, you know, that's what we have to, to deal with. Uh, the YouTube stream we're having some troubles with at the moment. So if everybody wants to be watching this via Facebook, that would be absolutely outstanding. Uh, just quickly, Carl, I wanted to ask, because obviously you've represented Australia in the Olympics. The Oli Roo is getting ready to go tonight um, against pretty tough opposition in Argentina. So it's a real measure and, and test. Um, how did you approach it when you represented your country and what would be going through the players' heads before kickoff, which is in just over two hours? Yeah, it's exciting. You know, the Olympics is a is a huge event, um, and it's known as a twenty three event. So that's when we went. It was known as twenty three in Barcelona. It was an exciting time. Um, I, I suppose it's a little bit different now with COVID. Um, we had the run of the village at the time, and you know, it was just to see those other athletes um, that train for four years for one event um, to see what they do and and how they go about things. It's, it was quite eye opening. Um, so I. I wish the Oli Roos um, good luck tonight. They're going to need a, a little bit of luck on their side to, to get a good result against Argentina. I tell you what, I never thought that there would be a surface that would look better than Cooper Stadium, but the surface that the Matildas played on last night was immaculate. It looked like video game kind of surface. So um, the, the boys look forward to uh, playing that on and hopefully getting a victory tonight against Argentina. Okay, before we get into the questions, I wanted to ask you both, Nathan and Carl, a bit of a reflection on the season which has just gone. Um, of course, uh, we have had our uh, Aligic and Vidmar award ceremony, and that was a fantastic night at Plant 3 at Bowdoin. But to go to you, Carl, first of all, can you give us just a little bit of a reflection on the season which has just gone as we look forward to the preseason? Yeah, look, it was uh, a tough season. Um, it was condensed, um, you know, with the COVID interruptions at the beginning of preseason of last year. And and the limited games that we did get going into the season, it was, uh, made it difficult. Um, and I think that showed at the beginning of the season um, with the inconsistent form that we had. Um, but then after that, we sort of found our feet and, and played some really good attacking football at times. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, um, I was happy um, with how the season panned out overall. Um, it would have been great to have got to the final. Um, but um, in, the, in the end, we just couldn't get, get over the line against Sydney. We'll get to some more specific questions um, a little bit later on, but from your perspective, Nathan, as uh, the man who looks after the front office there <laughs> at Adelaide United, uh, what are your reflections of the season to date so far, um, looking forward to next year? Yeah, so in hindsight, it's, um, despite the obvious challenges, it's actually a really been a really rewarding 12 months and I think uh, an opportune probably 18 months despite the fact that 
in March, April last year, we were standing down players. The league was on hold. Um, it was a challenging time for the club, but it gave us an opportunity to reset a lot of what um, what we'd done in the past. And the, the sort of primary outcome of that was the renewed SA focus. And I think looking back now, you know, Carl took the boys to the hub. Um, we were really successful in there, just missed out on, on the finals for what was last season. This year has been, whilst we would have liked to have been, um, you know, gone one week further in a men's uh, capacity, I think, throughout the season, if not for maybe some injuries um, in the back end, we were sort of a top four side all year. Um, we took it to Sydney in that last game. We blooded a lot of young South Australian players, but coupled that with a with a you know a quality experienced players um, that we brought in um, off the field, it was one of one of our aside from the impact of COVID, obviously, but it was one of our more successful years. We launched a new kit partner in UCAN, which has seen record sales. Um, I think our engagement with members has been much better. Um, obviously, crowds were well down. Um, you know, limited capacities at Coopers, coupled with uncertainty around the league, I think it impacted that, but. Um, off-field, it was really successful. And then, obviously, W League, um, it's our most successful year we've ever had, um, highlighted by the, the record-breaking crowd on the 21st of March. Um, and that program, I think, will only go from strength to strength on the back of the, the World Cup announcement, um, which we are you know, reaping the rewards of in terms of some upgrades to Cooper Stadium. So... In hindsight, we look back at it now, whilst day-to-day, -day, we were literally living day-to-day, -day, it was a challenge and there was much unknown. Um, when we look back on it now, I think we're in a much stronger position to, to move forward for 21-22. Carl, the reflection of the season, which has just gone, obviously we were pretty much one game away from a grand final and, as you know, anything can happen. But to get the team so far, with we, we reflected on the, the injuries of the players and the turnover of players. Um, the last time I spoke to you about it was just before that match against Sydney FC. So what did you take away from it? Because as a supporter, um, obviously it's disappointing, but throughout the season to see players drop off due to injury, some long-term injuries and other players get an opportunity and make the most of that, that must please you moving into the next season. Um, yes. Look, um, injuries are part of football um, and it provides opportunities for other players. And, you know, we've got um, a lot of young players that got opportunities last season. Um, and we look to um, provide opportunities for those players again this coming season. Um, and that was the disappointing thing of last season, the injuries. Um, we can't hide behind that. We, we got far too many in injuries over the course of the season and we've um, had a good look at that and reflected on that. And we've brought someone in um, to help us with that. Um, uh, sort of a, a new guy in head of performance that will hopefully limit um, our injuries this year because we, you know, we can't afford to to go into another season and have that um, happen again next season. For the people who have just joined, we are having trouble with the YouTube stream at the moment. So Facebook is definitely the place to go. And in the chat, you would see there is a link that we have provided. Uh, we would love your name to be attached to the questions that you are asking. And then after we go through some of the member questions um, who have put them leading into what was going to be the live event, we will definitely be able to ask them. Not too far away, Stefan Mork will be joining us as well, uh, fresh after getting married. So congratulations to Stefan. I reckon, guys, we go into some of these members.
questions because this is what it's all about and we'll see where we go from there. So, Nathan, I wanted to ask you, first of all, on behalf of Bill Brooks, thank you very much for your question, Bill. How will the Cooper Stadium upgrades impact fans and what will uh, Vito Basile bring to Adelaide United? Um, yeah, two different questions. I'll start with the stadium. Obviously, the premise of tonight, um, or amongst other things initially, was to, to sort of unveil a bit more info around the stadium. Doing it um, uh, digitally has made it a bit more challenging, but um, works are well underway in terms of the redevelopment of the stadium. Um, we've been heavily involved, which uh, is very unique um, in sort of the Australian sporting landscape. We, we've sort of had... Um, uh, insight into to many of the developments and redevelopments and what's happening. Um, at the moment there, they've sort of gutted the change rooms. Those that are familiar with the change rooms, um, they're a shell now. There'll be four change rooms in there for next year. Um, they've commenced work on, on some corporate spaces up in the Western Stand. Uh, the big ticket item, which will, will take 18 months to complete, will be a roof on the, on the Eastern Stand. Um, the uh, lights will be upgraded. I think we'll see. We're waiting on specs, but the lights, um, from what I've been told, will be at a higher capacity in Adelaide Oval. Audio will be upgraded. Um, that's a bugbear of mine. The audio there is not fantastic. Um, the audio will be state-of-the-art. We'll get two big screens. Obviously, we've got one at the moment. We'll get that one replaced with a bigger one and another one down the south. Um, LED signage will be upgraded. Uh, all the food and beverage outlets are currently being um, uh, redeveloped as well. Uh, entry gates are being upgraded. Uh, you know, issues from time to time with regards to patrons getting into the stadium. Um, so there's a whole raft of, of things going on. They'll be scaled across two years. So this year, a lot of the back of house stuff's getting done um, in lieu of a, an A-League season start later in the year. Um, the some of the bigger ticket items will will happen next year. Um, one that I didn't mention was the pitch as well will get completely redeveloped. So they'll, they'll tear up the pitch and start from scratch. Some would probably argue or ask why it's the best playing surface in the country. Um, it's the best playing surface in the country uh, because it has 13 games on it a year. So for, for the capacity for that pitch to take on more... Uh, you know, potentially more events. Um, the last time it was upgraded, irrigation and turf was 1991. So it's, uh, they say, sort of 10 to 15 years for turf. We're at 30. So that will get an upgrade, which for those that remember some of the challenges we've had during the, you know, February, March, when it's really hot in terms of the pitch, that will be resolved. So it'll be at the same standard it always is, if not, you know, through that period better. So... Um, It'll be really good. I mean, the, the, in time, we'll be able to release some more information with imagery. Um, a lot of it's just being finalised. As I said, some of the work's being fast-tracked to be done before the start of this season. Um, there will be some impact for fans this year. The East Stand, um, we envisage, will be unavailable for a large part of the season. Um, we're waiting for confirmation of what that exactly looks like. Um, otherwise, um, it will be business as usual for the most part for fans this year. Going into next year is where we'll see the really big improvements, as I mentioned, the roof and whatnot. Um, will be game-changing for us. There's been a, a bit of talk about the capacity as well um, for me and, you know, discussions we've had with internally but also with key stakeholders. The capacity as it is um, was important to keep. I'm not a massive fan on increasing the capacity at the stadium. Um, it's unique in that it's a suburban ground. It feels like a European suburban ground to go to. 
Um, we do have some challenges with parking and access and to increase the capacity, um, we'd only expedite those. Um, we wanted to keep the boutique nature of it and keep it that unique sort of amphitheatre atmosphere that you get at the stadium. So that will be retained. Um, and also the, the corners uh, are, a, are a discussion point every time stadium upgrades are spoken and uh, they just can't be filled in for the, the north end in particular for those that sit there you'll notice that the the stands are essentially on the road so they can't build them out so what will happen is we'll get in one of those the northeast corner we'll get a big screen um, that will fill in that gap and then in the southwest corner there'll be another big screen so heaps of detail there in in short it'll be it'll be game changing um, it maintains the integrity um, and the history of the stadium that brings it into the 21st century. So um, stay tuned for, for more news. Um, we'll provide as much info as we can, but um, from season start, everyone should notice some improvements. What oh, about and, Vito? And so Vito. We, lose, we lose Bruce Jute, um, yep. which is a, a big loss in, in kind of many different facets of the club because he was, uh, he was back for a short time but made a huge mm. impact. So anybody else coming into the club, there's always going to be questions and probably comparisons. But I think a lot of our fans know exactly Vito's resume and where he has worked previously and who he's been associated with. But for those who don't, did you want to tell us a little bit about him? Yeah, I've known Vito for nearly 20 years. We played together at Croydon Kings in the early 2000s. Um, I then worked with him at Football SA probably 12, 13 years ago, and then again at Football Australia. So our, our careers have kind of followed each other. Um, for the past seven or eight years, um, Vito has been a high-performance manager with the national team, so primarily in Matildas, um, but also with the Socceroos. He's been to the last two Men's World Cups, last two Women's World Cups, um, the Confederation Cup for the men as well. In terms of um, back-of-house operator, he is as good as anyone else in the country in, in the football space. He understands it better than, than anyone. Where he will differ in terms of um, the role, uh, and this has somewhat been strategic from us over the last 12, 13 months, is you know Bruce was, was sort of the public face of, of more than the, the football department, but the club um, through COVID um, that was born out of foreign coaches and, and sort of a need to have a homegrown voice and face. Now, Carl feels that, has filled that role for probably the last 12 months and, and will continue to. And Vito's role is really mandated around making our football programs better. Like the, the, the question that we, he's been in a week and a half and the question we continually are asking is how do we make things better, whether we're speaking to you know, the turf guys that look after our training ground, you know, the strength and conditioning guys, the youth team is how do we improve? And that, that will be, I think, something that, um, you know, Vito will, will um, be really uh, uh, successful um, with, um, but it won't have the sort of public image that it that necessarily did with Bruce. So he's hit the ground running. It's been a week and a half. He's straight into, into lockdown. I've been on the phone with him half the, half the day as we've been... Um, doing a number of A-League and W things, but he'll be, um, he'll be really good. Um, we'll get his feet, un let him get his feet under the desk in time. Um, members and fans will get the chance to, to speak to and hear from him. Carl, uh, let's address the elephant in the room straight away. And that is in regards to player recruitment. This is a question from Carol Strong, but it's echoed by a lot of people who are live on Facebook at the moment. Don't forget, if you want a question answered, um, you can put your name, in there there's a link in the chat right now so as a supporter 
Um, I think I'm echoing a lot of supporters currently too, having a look on social media and things like that and seeing many clubs which aren't our club announcing signings um, for key players as well. Some of the players who used to be at our club, um, some players who have come back from overseas, some big names as well. So for us, uh, I think we're going, all right, so when when are we going to do that? Um, What is the status of player recruitment for the new season? Yeah, look, um, you know, when we look at our squad from last season, um, we've lost uh, out of our, you know, our strong team, Ryan Strain, Jordan Elsie and Tommy Urich. Um, so we will need to replace those um, those players. Um, at this stage, though, you know, we have 21 contracted players for our squad and we're in the middle at the moment of uh, negotiating um, with three players at the moment. Um, hopefully we can um, have something in the next week or so on those three players, which then will sort of leave one or two um, positions left. So um, we're, in a, we're in a good position. Um, you know, we've, we've kept the core of the playing group from last season. You know, we've re-signed, um, you know, Josh Cavallo, Joe Gauci, Harvey Lopez, Wande. And then uh, Craig Goodwin, Michael Jakobsen. So we've re-signed all those players and we've added a couple of younger boys onto scholarship um, contracts as well. So, you know, th- we're looking quite good, you know, um, you know, especially with the three players that we're negotiating with at the moment. We can, If we can add them to our squad and then, as I said, then there's only really one or two spots left to, to fill. Uh, okay, let me focus on a couple of players. First of all, a departing player. Um, Jordan Elsie, which is difficult for a lot of Adelaide United fans because he's been Adelaide United since he was a kid. The, that image which has always circulated of him with one of the big kangaroos, big red or ruby roo, I'm not sure which one it was when he was a junior, and then going through. And now he not only leaves the club, but he ends up um, playing for Newcastle. So can whether it's Carl or Nathan, just talk us through that, that process, how we've got to the point of farewelling um, a vice-captain. Yeah, look, it's uh, it's a difficult one to accept. You know, even as a, as a coach, I, it was difficult to accept Jordan because, you know, as you said, he's been um, a big player for the club over a long period, come right through the youth setup, and then, you know, he's had a few injury concerns over his course of his career and and he's done exceptionally well. As you said, he was a vice-captain of the, of the team last year. That's how highly I regarded him. Um, but Jordan always wanted, um, you know, he wanted to move overseas. And that's what he was looking for. And, you know, we wanted to keep him. But in the end, uh, he wanted to make a move and have a, have a new challenge. So we then go to a player that has left the club to a player that is potentially available. Can I ask if the club has an interest in speaking to a former skipper in Isaias? Um Yeah, look, we are in the process of talking with Issa at the moment. Um, and, you know, time will tell. You know, hopefully um, he will come to the club. You know, it'd be a great signing if we can manage to get him. But um, he's got a few things on his plate at the moment and we just have to, to take our time and, and hopefully we can get something over the line with, with Issa. Thank you, Carl. Let's go to a question from Joe T. This is a great question as well because when we caught up in the preseason, Nathan, we spoke about the the unknown when it came to a television deal, and then mm-hmm. Paramount Plus comes along, which has 
it's fantastic in many ways. There's obviously certain areas that are important for all of the A-League fans, but football in Australia as well, we get a new home. We get a broadcaster that wants to engage in football in Australia, which is fantastic. So I guess the question going around the league at the moment, though, is um, will the club be offering um, certain deals or specials for those that sign up? Uh, yeah, the short answer is yes. Um and they're, they're really good deals. Can't go into the, the full detail uh, as yet. I mean, we're, we're in the process of um, finalising our on-sale for membership, which, which is due in the next week or two, obviously subject to, um, to lockdowns. But the Paramount 10 deal is um, game-changing for us. One of the, the key issues and risks around last year was obviously the broadcast. The, the Fox deal went from, from three years to one year and, the financials of it were, were reduced. Um, the uh, Paramount deal came about a couple of months ago. Um, it's a new streaming platform, you know, entertainment product as opposed to a sporting product, which is exciting for us. You know, our sport skews a lot younger in terms of supporter demographics and participation demographics. Um, you look at Fox Sports or Foxtel as a, as a you know, obviously a primarily sporting product in the Adelaide United sense, in the A-League sense, um, we are now broadcast on what is purely an entertainment product with the A-League and W-League being the first sport. So it's really opportunistic for us to then target and engage with a new audience. Um, we will push really hard in terms of providing some really good offers for our members. Um, you know, we'll do some other things around membership and, and um, unique opportunities linked with it. The, the deal itself, we'll see all of our A-League and W-League games streamed on Paramount and then we'll have um, a Saturday night A-League game and a Sunday um, W-League game um, on Ten and Bold. So the, the, it brings us back to free-to-air. Um, it's obviously been a bugbear of a lot of people, for a lot of people for a long time, limited access to A-League. It's hard to, you know, to get Fox or you need to commit to Fox, whereas now we're on what is a traditional streaming platform. It's much more accessible, and I think the price point that members see um, to sign up to will be will be really appealing. So it's only probably a week or two away. Paramount Plus launches on the 11th of August. Um, we'll start marketing uh, very shortly, and um, there'll be some good incentives for members to get on board for this season. I don't want you to comment too much on the previous broadcaster because what uh, Fox provided uh, as a broadcaster for football in Australia was absolutely outstanding and it gave us a platform. But obviously the past 12 months was really interesting when it did um, probably had to make some movements mm -hmm. because of COVID. So we lost a fair bit of love when it came to football, some of the magazine mm -hmm. shows and the analysis shows. So does the fact that Paramount Plus is involved now give you a sense of excitement that football now um, has a platform to get more space, more time on free-to-air TV so we can continually promote Adelaide United, not just the football side of things, but the, the general public getting to know the players and getting to know the club and also in turn our sponsors and partners that we love getting more of an opportunity to get their brand out there. Yeah, well, the, the biggest challenge for us as a sport is is awareness. I mean, there's such a flooded sporting market, um, particularly online. It, it's hard to get your message across. Um, you know, with Fox Fox Sports, they did, as you suggested, a fantastic job. Like their, their broadcast product for a number of years was was phenomenal. Um, the the but the reach of of their audience was sort of uh, dwindling in recent years. So. 
the opportunity to partner with a free-to-air network in Channel 10 with a base in Adelaide was really exciting for us. We've done some stuff with 10 in the past, but we've got you know, news, we've got reporters, we've got cameras, we've got studios in Adelaide, which just provides us with an opportunity to get you know more market awareness in terms of you know what Adelaide United's doing, profiling our players when we're playing. Um, that's something that's been lacking for a few years with us. Um, hence, you would have seen a lot. We've shifted a lot of our media to internal that would have previously been done externally, be it by the paper or or free to wear. To have that partner now is exciting. We've met with Ten a couple of times. We're already talking about initiatives that we can do to to promote the A League and promote. Um, the W League, so yeah, it's uh, it's all happened real quick. It's been a couple of months. Um, we, you know, we're actually due to catch up this week um, with ten. That's now on hold until we uh, obviously get out of lockdown. But um, I think everyone will see see a, you know a fresh and exciting A League and W League this year. And I, you know, personally, from Adelaide United's perspective, I think it'll be really good for us in terms of getting some some more market reach and you know getting some more fans along the games. Do one of you guys need to feed your dog? Because um, it was uh, barking. Is that your dog, Nathan, or Carl? Your no, dog. I don't, that was I don't have a dog. Okay. Yeah, that's mine. He's barking at the <laughs> Carl, this is from Dan Rutter. Uh, what were your key learnings from the 2020-21 season? Um, yeah, look, I learned a lot from the season, um, and I, I suppose the, the key one was for us for over the course of the season is that we just couldn't finish games. Um, a lot of the games we had a lot of control in and we just couldn't finish, couldn't score the goals or um, seize um, key opportunities, moments in games. Um, so that's something that as a playing group and a coaching group, that's something that we need to focus on in pre-season this year is to make sure we um, have more, when we're in control of the game, that we finish games off. Um, and, and with a playing group, um, yeah, look, at as you know, a lot of people are, are worried about um, our squad, but um, you know, it happens every season, turnover of players in the A-League, and I'm very um, happy at this moment with the, with the squad that we've got. We've got a lot of promising young players coming through, and um, and, and the core of the group is, um, is very good. Nathan, Aaron Connor has a question which is quite consistent in some of the comments. In regarding to the club and the owners, um, is the intention to invest in the squad to challenge for silverware or is the club's aspirations to make finals and develop youth only? Yeah, so uh, it's just a just common question. The, the, our benchmarks for performance are to win. So when, you know, Carl and I and the team and we sit down and we discuss, you know, squads and uh, pathways for players, um, it always revolves around winning. I think this year we, we had the capacity to win the championship. We, we you know, we, as, as Carl alluded to, had some injuries, you know, um, that had an impact and, you know, a few opportunities missed along the way to to sort of get a stranglehold on that top two early on. And um, we're ultimately one game away from the grand final. But um, I would suggest that will be the same next year. Um, what we, we talk about youth a lot. Um, uh, and the fans do. I think it, it, it's, it's not – but it's not – it's not all we are in terms of recruitment. If you look at our squad, we've got – for us, it's about having a good mix of youth. Anyone can – Push a youth team. It's the it's the easiest um, uh, it's the easiest avenue to full a squad is just to, to push them with with youth players. For us, it's about getting the best youth players in SA primarily, 
Um, occasionally, we'll top that up with with youngsters from interstate, but first and foremost, it's promoting our own, and and coupling that with good, experienced leaders um, to mentor and improve those players. The uh, the uh, Juan Days, Michael Jacobson, Harvey Lopez, you know, even Craig, you know, Ben Halloran, um, these sort of more senior players. Um, they serve as uh, you know a performance role in terms of scoring goals, keeping clean sheets, and the like. But but they also serve as leaders amongst our team to make our young players better. Something I think that that we'd struggled with in the past. And if you look at our our championship year and the follow up year, is that you can't put all your eggs in today's basket. You need to think about what tomorrow looks like. So for us, it's getting the balance right and getting game time into some younger players um, who may make mistakes, you know, but ultimately longer term, they're, they're better forward if you're looking for a pathway that, you know, someone like Louis Dorigo has taken um, and his progression over the last two years. Um, uh, having a more senior player in that role, you know, as an example, stage, means he probably doesn't get that opportunity. So I was getting the mix right. Um, budgets, uh, you know, we're always bound um, by budgets. Um, you know, but I think we've got the means here um, being the, the overall program because, uh, you know, spend and, and signing players whilst more romantic and I get that, that everyone always wants to see new signings. Um, we look at it in terms of not the individuals that we bring in but what that looks like as a collective and I think that um, last year we were really close and the, the you know, benchmark for... I think Nathan has uh, just dropped off there, Carl. So we'll go to the next one for you, mate. This is from Dominic. What are the team's goals for the new season? Um, look, the team um, hasn't come together yet, so um, they will set their goals. But as a, as a coaching group, it's always, like Nathan said earlier, um, our goal is to win the championship. Um, I'm sure the playing group will have the same goal. Um, we went close last season, and I think we can take that next step next season. You know, we've got some good game time into some of the younger players and we'll um, develop them again further this year. And as um, you know, we've got a good core of senior players there. And, and so again, our goal will be to go one further than what we did this year. Stefan Mork is not too far away. If you have any questions for Stefan, please put them into the comments. If you are watching this on Facebook, we have a link at the top of this chat, which you can click on so you can put your name to your question. Uh, Nathan, last one for you from the member questions from Ian. Can you provide an update on the W League recruitment uh, when the squad will be finalised too? Yeah, so that's been happening behind the scenes. We, um, I think we've signed at least five or six now. Um, we've just been... Uh, uh, finalising a few bits and pieces before we make those announcements public. So that's progressing really well. We're in talks with, with Adrian Stenter about a uh, longer-term extension to his contract. Um, bringing someone of Vito's pedigree in has been really beneficial for our W League program. He as mentioned was the, the high-performance manager, uh, sorry, uh, sorry, high-performance manager for the Matildas for seven years. So his network's into to female football a second to none. So much like the A-League, we're looking to to build on the success of last year, maintain the core of that squad, um, add some some quality to it. Um, and we think, again, we can challenge for for at least the top half of the table um, 
the finals is the benchmark for for W League. Um, we're only out by goal difference this year, and I think we can we can get there this year. So that program's coming together well. I'd stay tuned. Probably in the next week or two, we'll start to make some announcements. But the uh, the core of that squad, on and off the field, is is really stable and, and looking good for the year ahead. Just finally for you, Carl, before we get ready to welcome Stephanie in and ask some questions from Facebook, thank you very much for your patience, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, from Robbie, now you, br- you briefly touched on this before, Carl, when it comes to the injury management. So what has the club taken away from that? Because last year we did have a lot of reoccurring injuries, um, players going down, which they were able to be replaced and still get results. But the football department as a whole, what have you taken away from that? Yeah, look, it um, wasn't ideal last year and, I think um, the pre-season, the lack of um, games for us going into the season sort of had an impact on that. And then with the double head, you know, the short turnarounds that we had and travel, um, you know, sometimes we had three-day turnaround and games. So that put a lot more load on the players. Um, and we pushed the players maybe at times a little bit too hard. Um, but in saying that, it's... Um, it's not a good enough excuse. And as I said, we've had a good look at that. And we have um, brought someone um, with a lot of experience in that um, field um, to come in and oversee our program um, to, so we can sort of um, fix that for next season. Is there sometimes a silver lining on injuries because injuries present opportunity. So without some injuries last season, which as you said, it happens in football, players wouldn't have got their opportunities. And that's the same sometimes as player turnover as well. So we lose Tommy, but we can see what a fully fit Cassini Yangi can do last season. But without that injury to Tommy, potentially we would, wouldn't have been able to see that. So um, everything is an opportunity in football. Would you agree? Yeah, most definitely. And that's, you know, something that I instill in the young players. Um, sometimes you need a little bit of luck, and but you have to put yourself in the right place um, to get that luck. And you have to work hard and, and when an opportunity comes, you have to be in a position to be able to take that opportunity. And um, as you said, um, one player going out and it's important that we have uh, another player that comes in and, and steps up. And last season, we were fortunate enough that that, that did happen. All right, let's go to a couple of questions on Facebook. Thank you very much to the members for asking those questions as well, and hopefully they were answered. Uh, we will go to Joseph Russell, who has asked a question in regards to double headers. Any chances some double headers in the new season, either with the youth side or the women's side? Yeah, so the um, <clears throat> one of the key uh, developments at the stadium is obviously the change rooms. So we haven't been able to play double headers there for some time. We've done some informal ones um, with, with amateur sides or select sides, but um, we will definitely play W League double headers, um, and we're looking at the opportunity to play uh, youth and/or NPL double headers as well. So that's definitely on the cards. Um, we expect that the changers to be up and running for the start of the season. So, um, yeah, it'll definitely be a, a back to the old days in terms of doubleheaders at, at Cooper Stadium again. Pretty powerful moment uh, when we had the W League game there at Cooper Stadium last season. And obviously with the Women's World Cup coming to Australia and us having a game in South Australia would be absolutely outstanding. So to see the connection, and I'm speaking from experience to see, and we spoke about this at the awards at Plant 3 a few weeks ago, the connection of the men's and the women's side is authentically as stronger than ever. And Adrian spoke about this, Ivan spoke about this, um, the winner of the Remel Paris Awards. So it must make you proud as well, Nathan, um, just to see that connection, something as simple as 
merchandising and advertising, to have um, the connection between the men's and the women's football department is a really important thing, but it has to be genuine. Yeah, I think, it's, again, it's been a real focus for us. The, the W League um, program has come on in leaps and bounds over the last, well, it's been five years now since we took the operation back from Football SA. And this year, again, it was one of the benefits of COVID that we had the opportunity to sort of reset culturally. And, and as you alluded to, from a marketing perspective, the W League were really at the forefront of, of what we do. Um, the missing pieces of the puzzle, uh, home games at Cooper Stadium. We, we obviously had the, the 5,000 plus crowd there for the 21 March. We want to make that a regular event. Um, the second uh, uh, initiative that we're working on is a training base for them. So that's, we've been out at Playford with the men for, for six years. Um, that facility was built prior to us running a W League program. So we're well advanced with council there on, on, on plans for a, a secondary training um, or change facility that would allow the, the W League um, players to be based at Playford as well full time. So real big focus for us. Um, there's going to be heaps happening with W League um, now that we're leading into the, the 2023 World Cup. So I think um, that focus we've had in terms of joint marketing and collaboration across both programs um, you know, it also happens from a coaching perspective as well. Um, you know, you'll see a lot more of that. And um, I think the opportunity to get games back at Coopers will be a big one. And hopefully we can get some good crowds along. Can I ask a COVID question as well? And obviously we are concerned about everything that's going on in South Australia at the moment. But when it comes to Adelaide United, we were hit by COVID, obviously, at the end of the season prior to this one. So um, financially, it's a hit for the club. But right now, this is um, a time where we can start planning for hopefully a regular A-League season when we move mm. into 21-22 with hopefully um, capacity crowds for whatever Cooper Stadium offers. So um, to be in the position that we are now and seeing what the government are suggesting moving forward, I'm sure it gives you hope to go, hopefully soon enough we can go back to normality and have a packed stadium. Yeah, well, look, we're sort of planning on the basis that we will have um, a normality for the start of the season. I mean, the new normal, I suppose. Um but it is, I mean, I've been involved for quite a while um, uh, in the sport. Uh, it's definitely the most um, optimistic time I can recall for, for football, particularly in Adelaide. I think that we are unique and we have the potential to be, you know, not necessarily the biggest, but the way I sort of put it is the best in terms of um, clubs in, in the country. We, we're a one-club one um, city. We get great media exposure through the news coverage for our W League program. We've got a real parochial, traditional football base for a football city. You know, we've got a history of producing good players. Um, we've now got a new stadium, a new broadcast deal, um, a Women's World Cup, which will get us international exposure. You know, as I said, some, some off-field improvements and priorities for our W League program. So it is good. Certainty is what we, we lacked and I think what fans lacked First and foremost, um, this past season, you know, you just got the changing fixture, um, and, and you only had to come to a game to see that that uh, there were plenty of empty seats. So we're hoping that um, on the back of this broadcast deal and uh, and hopefully um, some more security around COVID, that um, we can start fixturing as normal and people can have confidence to to come back to games. Carl, I think we have a question that is going to pop up uh, from Facebook. Thank you very much, everybody, for getting involved as well. Uh, we'll just wait for that one to come up. Hopefully my internet isn't lagging at the moment. It's like I'm on a tin can and a string. While we are waiting for that one, Carl, moving forward, um, there are some more questions coming in about um, 
players. Obviously, at the start of the season, we, we spoke about the opportunity of selling players for the club, which is great, um, which is actually the business of football as well. So um, to lose Ryan Strain, it must be bittersweet, but to see his career progress and for him to go and experience um, other opportunities, I'm sure that that makes you proud, as disappointed as you are to leave him, because he was he was pretty close to winning the uh, Vidmar Award last season. Carl's just dropped out. Nathan, you can answer that one. Uh, yeah, so Strainy. Um yeah, look, we've we've we, you know, unashamedly proud of the opportunity for players to go overseas. So you know, we've seen a lot, um, you know, go in recent years, but all positive moves. So um, Strainy has, um, you know, now on the fringe of playing Champions League. Um, you know, a few years ago was was in our youth team. You know, playing as a as a right winger. You know, it was it was it was only through a fortunate opportunity that he that he became a right back in the A-League and he hasn't looked back since. So, look, that's part and parcel of, of, of what we deal with. I mean, we, we just want players to move on for, for positive reasons. Um, he's done that and um, I think he'll do really well and I wish him all the best overseas. When you have a look at the results of last season, there's, there is a, like a small Adelaide United link with Melbourne City with Michael Petrillo, who was at the club before. But it's obviously um, a challenge when you have a look at some of the players that not only they had in their squad, but they've um, armed themselves even more as well and going into to different things. Um, can I ask, like, a, as honest as you can be, when you have a look at some of these other clubs as well, seeing um, the opportunities that they have, um, we can do the best that we can do. But uh, some of the other bigger clubs like the Sydney and Melbourne, sometimes you just have to watch and go, what's going on here? I mean, that's just the reality. There's a bigger city, um, or bigger cities, you know, so they're always going to have more clout, you know, financially operating in bigger markets, you know, bigger potential fan bases. But... I love what we are. Like, I, I wouldn't have it any other way. I, I'd sort of say that, to, uh, you know, I'd much rather work at, at Adelaide United than, than any other A-League club. I've obviously got close ties to the place and, um, you know, was there that night that Carl scored our first goal, so somewhat um, loyal. But but the the culture, we're at the, the, we were only talking about it the other day. You know, I'd challenge anyone to walk into another Australian sporting venue and the letters of your football club are stamped on the seats. Like, like we have a, a real unique opportunity here. Um, and, and as you suggested with, with some of the success, you know, some of the success of, of other clubs has been, um, you know, uh, partially due to, to, you know, South Australian players. We've got a really good football culture here. Um, we've got a history of producing really good players. And I think that, you know, we can punch above our weight in terms of, the size of South Australia, um, or even when it comes to financials, you know, we can punch above our weight and compete with anyone. And I think we've we've proven that for for a long, long time. Um, it's just for us the challenge is just getting to that next level and being top four. You know, but instead of being top four, being top one and two, and that's the puzzle that we're we're solving at the moment. And as you said, Nathan, I want, to, I want to turn this question to you, Carl, because the, the culture of the club is really important to me as a fan. And what I love this season especially is seeing so many familiar names coming back to the club or having a presence on match day. I mean, you look at this season so far, we we, we spoke with, with Cassio about his young son, Marcos Flores, was there um, doing some of the halftime activations. A lot of the players caught up. There was a time where Lucas Pantelis and former players went to Enzo's prior to the match. They're probably still there now, but um, to have Marcelo Karuska involved with the club, Eugene Galakovic, Ross Aloisi, that sense of community 
and connection of honouring the past as we look towards the future, the feeling must be really good inside the club to have those players wanting to be associated with us. Yeah, most definitely. Um, we've got to remember how the how this great club of ours was was set up. It was set up for the for the local clubs and set up for our local supporters. That's how we were founded back in um, was it two thousand and three. Um, so that's uh, pleasing that we're we're getting that connection back again. I think it's um, we're fortunate enough that we're in a a town where there's um, only one club, and you know we've always had a history in South Australia having a strong football. Um, community and it's important that we um, engage with that community and 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 show that we we listen to our fans Stephen Mork is not too far away he's going to join us at 625 ladies and gentlemen uh, Roger King on Facebook Carl has a question for you yeah most definitely I think we showed that last season um, with the younger players coming through you know um, young Muhammad young Yaya um, you know we, we seem to forget that Louis Dorigo is still quite young as well. Um, and we, Johnny Yale had an opportunity last year. And, and there's some really good young players. We've signed, um, you know, young Alex Popovich to a, to a, a scholarship contract. Um, as you said, Cassio's son, Bernardo, is a, is a quality player. And I expect him to, to be given some game time this year as well. So, um, and when you look at where our youth team is doing in the NPL, they're doing exceptionally well. And there's some some good young players that are playing in that that might get opportunities this season as well. That was one of the pleasing things about this season too, seeing those young players have those opportunities. But to talk about players such as uh, Joe Coletti, obviously came to the club at the start of the season last year, um, looking to make his mark and not taking for granted the A-League opportunity that presented to him. Josh Cavallo, who was playing some of the best football of his career towards the back end of the season as well. Um, those young players must have really impressed you, uh, especially when opportunities were limited. Yeah, most definitely. You know, as you said, um, we've given not just young players from South Australia, but we've given some opportunities to young players from other states as well. And as you said, Josh Cavallo has come in and, and did an exceptional job last season for us. Um, so, and James Delanoff that we brought in as a goalkeeper as well. You know, it's about um, promoting young talent. Um, and that's, as a club, that's what we like to do. And and that's what will, will happen again this season. And, you know, I'm sure, you know, I've had the question to me a few times that we've allowed some of our young talent we've re released it this season as well. Um, and unfortunately, that's uh, part of football. You know, um, we had some young players, you know, Noah Smith is very unfortunate to be released from, from us this season. But um, what's best for Noah is that he needs to play football and we just couldn't give him that opportunity here next season with the players that we had under contract. So it was in his best interest for him to try and um, get another contract somewhere else and, and get more game time than what we could um, offer him. Uh, we have a question from Jamie, uh, another one for you, Carl. So, Jamie, thank you very much for your question. I can't stand Barisha. It's very emotive language. But if you're scoring goals for us, I'm sure I'll change my tune. I had a couple of messages from people saying, are we going to sign Bessart Barisha, which would be... Be very unique experience. How you go from hate to love so quickly? Um, look, um, you know, I've been asked that question before. Um, look, we have discussed it as a football department, um, but at this stage, it won't um, move down that path. I'm not saying it won't happen, um, but um, you know, you look at his record; he scores 
nearly every week. Um, you know, he's, he's a quality player. He's a winner. Um, but, um, you know, we've, we've got a few other signings that we need to sign before we um, go down that path. What happens in the pre-season, Carl? Can you take us through it? Um, for Logistically as well, if the pre-season was going to start today as it was scheduled, is this more fitness-focused and making the sure the, the boys are conditioned enough or do you go straight onto the balls? Yeah, we go straight into the balls. You know, f- um, football has changed from the old days where you do quite a bit of running at the start of pre-season. Um, so we go straight into the balls and try and get most of our fitness um, with the ball. Um, there's um, that we need to do t- other top ups that we can't get with the ball, um, but generally most of, most of our preseason training will be done with the ball. And is Craig Goodwin close enough to be able to train? Obviously, he's got a lot going on in his life at the moment. Do you have an update on how far he would be away to start moving around a bit? Yeah, look, Craig is what I think it's five, four or five weeks now from his operation, so he's still in the moon boot. Um, and he, we expect him to be in the boot for about another four weeks. Um, but he can start doing some type of training with swimming and, and a little bit of bike. Um, so we expect him to be, you know, and maybe another eight, nine weeks before he can join in to, to a football. Well, it's pretty good timing for him as well, obviously, because he gets to stay in South Australia and he gets to have no sleep with a young baby on the way very soon. So we send all of our best to uh, Craig. We're going to introduce Stefan Mork, the skipper, into this chat now as well. Stefan has had a busy couple of weeks. So first of all, Stefan, congratulations now, Mr. Husband. How was your wedding day? Yeah, it was It was really good. We uh, luckily snuck it in there. We, we had to postpone it for seven days and... Um, we had the option to move it to this weekend, actually, or the 10th, and, and we decided to do it the 10th, and that was a very, very wise decision by us. Otherwise, we'd be stressing out right now, I think. That's it. So did you breathe a sigh of relief, mate? Because obviously um, your former teammate, Jordan Elsie, got married the following week where there was restrictions on dancing. So for yourself, I'm sure you and your wife would have gone, we, we dodged a bullet here. Yeah, that, that was the biggest one on the, the 3rd of, um, of July when we moved it was that there was no dancing and her having a Greek background, it's obviously a massive part of, uh, of the evening and, and you know, I'd been practicing my dance for you know, the last six months so I wanted to make sure that I could actually show that off. We did see that on social media. It was um, awkward, fantastic dancing. But, hey, congratulations, mate. We, we've spoken to Nathan and Carl about their reflections of the season, which has just concluded. Um, your first time being a captain, we, we've spoken about that so many times. On reflection now, how would you uh, assess the season from a, a team and a personal perspective? I think from a from a team perspective, you're always disappointed when you don't win the championship. I think that was our goal uh, to, to win it from the start. I think we were good enough, and that's probably the most disappointing thing that we you know we played some really good football and at our best. I, I think we could could be anyone on the day, but we couldn't consistently do that enough. Um, but that's also really exciting for for next season because we we've got a young squad. We should all become better and, and stronger together, and um, and that leads us on to I guess yeah, making sure that we can do it for a, a sustained period of time and personally I think uh, you know I started the season quite well and um, through the middle parts and you know it was a bit disappointing with a a niggling injury that kind of lasted but I'm just excited to be able to hopefully get a a full pre-season in this year and um, you know really really just play some of my best football here at the club and and that's that's what I'm looking forward to. We will talk about 
the injury in a second, but when it comes to leadership as a person, there was obviously a lot that you would have had to take on physically, but also mentally. You had to front up after those tough losses, those tough draws. So how did you find that process of needing to be that person where there's a lot of situations where you don't want to speak after a difficult loss, but you needed to do that. So I'm sure there were lots of growth opportunities for you personally off the field as well as on. Yeah, definitely. I think as a as a person, you're always looking to evolve and to grow and, and to become um, better as such. And, and that was something that I learned, you know, early on in the season, we had a few tough, tough results and, and it was probably important to just make sure, I guess the biggest thing for me was that if I perform on the field, um, that's that's how I can really inspire my teammates, and, and that's what I really tried to do. And and then also obviously understanding that you know you have to um, you have to be a certain way to different players, and you can't always speak to everyone in the same manner because not everyone's going to respond well to that. Um, that's all part of the process, and I think it's it's good. We've got a, obviously Cole's been really really good for me, and and Ross and Eugene and and everyone at the club and and the other leaders, and obviously Jordan Jordan and Ben. So it was a, a really good mix. I think this season and, and hopefully something that will become become stronger and better, especially with so many young players, we can really uh, nurture them and, and hopefully turn them into um, you know really, really talented players. One of the things that I and the Adelaide United supporters admire about you, Stefan, is your work rate. And that was on display so much over the last season, especially there was a point towards the back end of games where you physically couldn't really move on the pitch. So you had to be substituted off the pitch um, and your injury probably started to affect you in the end. So can you can you kind of lift the curtain on that a little bit? Because there were either there's either an option to have surgery or to play through it. But surgery would have put you out for a long time. So where are you now with that injury? And can you describe it for us? Yeah, so I got um, a, a fracture in my fibula in pre-season. Probably I reckon it was the second, second week of pre-season. Um, and then came back from that no problems and everything was going going well I was when I was playing pretty well and then when we played Newcastle away I got a, a direct knock on that exact same spot and I think that was probably round 10 or 11 um, into the into the season and then just from there it started to get uh, probably worse every game and uh, it got to the point where it just really wasn't recovering especially when we had the three or four day turnarounds and it was something that was obviously affecting the way I could play but at the same time, I, I really wanted to play and, and help help the team out. And, and I think that's something that you do. Obviously, you know, you have to front up as a leader. And it was disappointing because I wasn't probably able to play in the manner that I wanted to play. And um, I like to get uh, quite stuck in, I guess. Uh, but it was it was hard to do that when I'm trying to protect, obviously, the, the leg. Because as soon as it gets a knock on it, then I was not really able to, to run or pass or turn well. If you do have any questions for Stefan Mork as well, make sure you put them on the Facebook page. Your first and surname can be involved with the link at the top as well. Um, Jason, AUFC King, has a question for Nathan. Uh, the Red Army were involved with the safe smoke that was there this season. It was amazing to add to the atmosphere. Is there more off-pitch excite, dot, 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 I'm assuming the word is excitement? <clears throat> yeah, well, the safe smoke, um, I envisage something we'll continue with. Um <sighs> Thing went well, that we can probably do it bigger and better was the feedback we had when we sort of reviewed it, but it um, it definitely adds atmosphere. I think the, the the stadium upgrades are what going to what are really going to change the atmosphere within well, particularly that pre-game atmosphere within the stadium. It, the the 
without going into you know too much detail of, of you know but but LED floodlighting means you know at two thousand five hundred odd lux or more means that we can change the lights for walkouts. You know it means um, it, with, with state of the art audio, you know those that are at, at Adelaide Oval, um, you feel the bass you know through your bones when you pre-game. You know we don't have that at the moment. So I think the the sort of tech upgrades to the stadium coupled with the fact that it is an amphitheatre. I mean, one of the biggest issues for FIFA um, in assessing it for the World Cup was that the pitch is too close to the fans um, per their regulations. Like, that's its greatest strength, and that's, you know, it's things like that which make it unique and make it home. So, yes, it'll be a big focus for us. The upgrades are essentially all around fan experience. Obviously, there's some football stuff with the change rooms, but everything else is being done. Um, in line with, with what FIFA sees best practice for, for match day experience. So that'll be a real focus for us. Hopefully, you know, fewer uh, COVID sort of restrictions. Family Park was shut down for a bit this year. We had to limit what we did in there. Um, outside stadium, we couldn't do too much. But um, that is almost our primary focus in terms of how do we improve the match day experience. So people have an additional reason to come um, aside from, you know, purely football. Um, we want them there to, to have a good time and, and entertain themselves as well. Carl, two questions. Um, first of all, what breed is your dog and what is the dog's name? And then we'll go to Josh Broadway. I've got two dogs, both Cocker Spaniels, um, Jet and Junior. Okay, thank you. Now to Josh Broadway's question on Facebook. I'd love to see Issa come home, but how does he fit with Juan Day and Louis Dorigo? Um, yeah, look, that's a that's a good question it's something that um, we'll need to work out if it does happen um but i'm sure we will come to an arrangement where it all fits in you know one day it has the the option that he can also play in the back in the back line as well so um look that's that'd be a, a great problem to have steph pre-season's supposed to start today um have you had much to do with nathan constandopoulos um obviously Recovering from a knee injury, and for those of you who follow him on social media, his attitude is absolutely outstanding. And to see him starting to make early progress as well, um, how's he going? Yeah, good. I, I ran into him a couple of times at um, peak conditioning. We've been been able to use that facility uh, in the off season, so I ran into him there, and he was in good spirits. And uh, the other day. Uh, uh, was it Monday? I believe it was. We uh, were doing a session at the club, and, and he said he was actually meant to be running running with the ball on Tuesday. It was his first session, obviously. He's um, he wasn't able to do that with the physio, so I'm not sure if he went down to a park and did it did it by himself. But it's yeah, it's good to see him coming along, and he seems in good spirits. And like you said, he's, he's got a great um, great mentality, and, and he'll just come back stronger from this. Thank you for asking that question, Maurice Police as well. That's one of my favourite names already. Um, and Tonus has a question for you, Stefan. So thank you for getting involved on Facebook. Uh, what role do you see yourself playing in United's midfield? Um, that's probably a better better question for for Cole. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I um yeah I think you know probably you know this season we obviously played with um, one six two eight, two ten, sometimes the one ten and um, I was obviously happy to play there and I think I, I did all right. But you know, if you could get a, a creative midfielder, which I think the club has said that they're obviously looking for, I think that would add add something extra to us and, and if I can play that, you know, number eight role, probably a little bit more preferred and um, getting into the box later runs and scoring goals is um, something that I I like to do and um, wherever wherever Cole tells me to play I'll, I'll play there. 
Josh Nugget has a question, which we will direct uh, you again, Stefan. Um, is there any challenges you found being Adelaide United's captain? Yeah, I think that was probably early on. I think the the little bit of added pressure that I maybe put on myself um, that was probably the biggest the biggest one. But you know, once you start to realise it's obviously a team thing, you you get past that. And and then the second thing, I guess, is just trying to have a the same relationship with the players as what you did uh, before. I think it does change a tiny bit. Some of the younger ones, probably especially, are maybe a little bit little bit more hesitant to chat to you about everything. Um, so I try to be as open as possible so they can they can be comfortable to talk to me really about whatever whatever they want and know that I've got their best interest. I'm pretty sure I said Josh Nugget. It's Josh uh, Nugent, so I'd like to apologise because the question <laughs> came up very quickly. But um, a big shout-out to McDonald's, um, great supporters of Adelaide United. So I was just trying to tie in the sponsorship messages there. I'm feeling hungry. I feel like some nuggets, so sorry to Josh. Daniel James has a question for you, Nathan. Let's go to the question from Daniel. Um, and that is, when are we going to announce Messi? Ian Smith's brokering that deal. So um, <laughs> direct uh, your, your questions um, and salary suggestions to Ian's Twitter account. It's probably best. Thank you very much, Carl. I wanted to ask you about Stefan's leadership because I spoke to you at the start of the season about Stefan being the captain. Um, I know he's a humble man, so I don't want to really put you on the spot, but re- reflective of um, his, some of his learnings as well, how did you see Stefan as the skipper? Um, yeah, look, it was a, a challenge for Stefan being a, a young player that's still learning his game. You know, we, we seem to forget how, that Stefan is 26, Stefan, I think. Am I right? 25. Or 25. 25, yeah. still. Almost 26. Yeah, 26. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so he's a very young captain, but, um, you know, the way that he plays the game, um, the way that he goes about his preparation is second to none. And, you know, I, I just believed, um, as you said, we have a, a lot of younger players there that could look up to Stefan and, and see the puff that he's taken and, and try and uh, um, copy what he's done in his career so far. We are going to take only a couple more questions before we wrap up Adelaide United fans. Alan Ward has a question for you. Nathan Cosmina, what's the vision for the club? Where do you want the club to be in five years and what is your strategy to get there? I think you are muted at the moment. Sorry. Um, That's okay. Yeah, we rebuilt all this uh, uh uh, last year through COVID in terms of mission, vision and values and essentially um, uh, the vision, you know, in, in holistic terms is to be the most um, respected, engaged and successful football club in Australia. Now, what that looks like is now what we need to unlock and I think what is the opportunity we now have in front of us is a five-year broadcast deal and behind the scenes for, for you know, players' benefit is, is likely a, a five-year um, or close to collective bargaining agreement, which really gives us scale and scope to plan strategically. So we want, you know, um, we want to increase our membership base. Um, everything you do is sort of reflected in, in all the success of it is reflected in your in your membership base. So if you're successful on the field, fans will come. If you're engaged off the field, fans will come. If your entertainment product's good on match day, fans will come. So the real f- uh, focus for us is bringing fans back. If you look at the years past, 2014-15 um, was the high watermark for Adelaide United in terms of membership. We actually had more members and, and um, average attendance was better then than it was in the championship year. Um, 
and then going back even further, you know, you look at some of the crowds we had in, in Carl's day. Um, you know, so for us, we've sort of sort of benchmarked around 10,000 members in the next three years. Um, that's some significant um, improvement required, but it has been done before. And I think now we've got the opportunity to do it with, you know, everything we've discussed tonight in terms of a stable football program, a stadium that is that it will, will move into the, the 21st century, the security of a broadcast deal, um, you know, a good uh, SA-focused culture. So, yeah, uh, whether we get there and how we get there is sort of being roadmapped at the moment. But, um, you know, for us, it's um, it's about generating success and, um, you know, first and foremost, it's on the field, but um, membership and getting people back to the games um, off the field is the benchmark. We are about to say goodbye to Stefan. We have uh, one more question for you, though, mate. So we'll chuck that one up now before we let you go and ask what you're having for dinner tonight. Of course, you are going to have some McDonald's, but we'll find out um, what else is about that. So um, who are the the top 12 players in the league? Just question without notice. Give us the top 12 players in the league. (laughs) Top 12. um, I'll go Ben, Ben Halloran, Craig Goodwin, um, and then let's go the, the Villa. I think he's very good. Ninkovic, McLaren. Leckie's now in the league, so I'll put him in it. Um, I'm not really sure who else you've got. Who am I missing? Uh, I think Curtis Good had a really good season uh, for Melbourne City. Five more, mate. Five more. Put <laughs> me on the spot. I'll say Tommy Tommy Urich, even though he's left us. Um, uh, Craig Craig Noon's a good player, I think. Luke Bratton, how many more have I got? Three to three to go. Luke Bratton, and you go. had some very big battles throughout the year. Yeah, yeah, he's a he's a top player, good guy. Javi Lopez doesn't like him, I don't think. No, no, it doesn't. No. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, who else we got? De Silva's a good player. Danny De Silva just went to Macarthur. Neil Kilkenny. Neil. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if he's in the league anymore. Okay, let's just... I'm not <laughs> going to put pressure on you, okay? Um, <laughs> Stefan, you need to get out of here. What's plans yeah. for the rest of the night? Um, I'm just about to have dinner. I've been slaving, slaving over um, the stove, um, cooking some pasta and um, some bruschetta. So my wife is not happy. I said I was going to be done at 6.25 and it got pushed back and now 6.41, so... I mean, you're doing everything for the fans and the members, all right? So this yeah. is what you have to do as skipper of the club. Thank you very much, Stefan, mate. All the best in the preseason. Um, when you can get out and do your 90 minutes of exercise in your 2.5-kilometre radius. So thank you very much for that. No worries. Thanks, Pat. See you later. Uh, you are an absolute legend. Uh, Nathan, we have uh, one more question for you, mate, from Glenn. Um, how impacted has the club been financially due to COVID? <laughs> yeah, so... Um... I mean, it has been significantly um, and uh, primarily in fans and, and members. I mean, it was, it's the lowest uh, uh, average attendance we've, we've had in our history. Obviously, when you've got limited capacities, it's easily justified. I think we were second or third in the league in terms of average attendance, which is positive. But our membership and ticketing revenues are, are obviously way down in the area for, for biggest improvement. We've actually had one of our most successful years in terms of commercial and and uh, merchandise revenues, but um, we live and die by by membership and ticketing. So, um, <clears throat> look, we've we've done relatively well. Um, we're generally one of the better performing um, clubs financially. Uh, we 
we obviously had some some player sales which supported us through through COVID as well. The challenge now, as I alluded to earlier, is really to get the fans back, and um, hopefully COVID permits that we can get some big crowds back at at Cooper Stadium. You know, I'm sure everyone else does, but I, I miss the the um, atmosphere and electricity in the place when we play Melbourne Victory. Um, that's really key for us is getting people back along and, and as I've sort of alluded to a few times, hopefully we're giving them a reason to. I know everyone is, um, a lot of questions around player signings and the like, but that will come in time. We've got three months until the season starts. Um, it's, it's, we're not panic buying at this time of year. We'll be strategic in our, in our recruitment um, and make sure we get players that complement the squad rather than just serve an individual purpose. So, yeah, all in all, um, uh, the, 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 there's a lot of financial optimism around the league now um, with the broadcast deal and security that that, that brings. So, um, look, it still remains a challenge, but, um, you know, uh, uh, I think the future is is um, there's light at the end of the tunnel and the future is positive. Just wanted to go on from that question from Glenn as well, because obviously Glenn, for longer than I can remember, um, has been the voice of Adelaide United in the stands, um, the members who are here tonight, the fans who are watching as well. Uh, football fans are different in the best way possible. The energy is just incredible and you can feel that. There is nothing like an Adelaide United game when we are on and the fans are on. So how important is that to continually think about ways that we can engage our fans and our members to bring them back? A TV deal is fantastic, but there is nothing like an in-game experience live at Cooper Stadium, Nathan. No, there isn't. I mean, you, you just ask the, the football pundits, um, you know, that, that come to the stadium, you know, the Fox guys or, or even from, from league level, it is the, uh, it's their number one venue. And, and people, um, you know, sometimes get frustrated with some of its shortcomings. But for me, as I've said before, that's, that's uh, some of the best things about it is that it's, on a, it's surrounded by churches. It's in an awkward footprint um, the stands hang over streets, you know, it's it's really unique and it's ours. Like we, we're, it's the only purpose-built football stadium in the country. I haven't heard, you know, that said for a long time, but that used to get touted quite often back in the early days. It still is that and it's it's standalone in terms of um, we're the only major tenant, so which is, again, unique. So, yeah, we need to get, get people coming back. And um, first and foremost, that's with a good football program, which um, I'm confident we will have. Um, and I think we've shown that over the last 12 months. Um, but secondly, it's around those engagement initiatives and, and turning that participation base and the parochial football um, spirit that we have in SA into to Adelaide United support. So again, hopefully COVID provides us the opportunity to to be better engaged with everyone. I think we've established that off the field with, with initiatives like this. And um, hopefully in the next sort of three to six months, we can bring back people to the stadium and um, yeah, see some of those big crowds back again. We do have one more question for Carl. Just before we uh, go to that, Nathan, what are you having for dinner tonight? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I haven't okay. got that far yet. Yep, okay. No problem. You can have some McDonald's yeah. if you like. Yeah. All right, Carl, uh, Suze Fisher has one more question. Uh, Joe Gauchi and James Delianov were both great. We will keep both or will we keep both of them? And if so, who's the preferred number one keeper? That is a very good and controversial question, Suze. I like it. Yes, we definitely will keep both. Um, Joe um, resigned with the club before the season finished. So they both got um, 
two more seasons left, I think, because I think um, James might have extended his contract as well. Um, yeah, look, it's uh, going to be a, a very good battle between the two of them. Um, and, you know, it would be important for both of them to have a, a strong pre-season and whoever has the best pre-season will be the number one. It's too close to call at the moment. Um, and, you know, the work that Eugene has done with both of them has been extraordinary and he'll have a tough decision to make because he'll be the one that'll be making it. What's for dinner tonight, Carl? Do you know? I do, yes. I'm having soup for dinner tonight. Very I, nice. Um, I've enjoyed my little break a little bit too much and I need to um, lose a little bit of weight before we start training again. Okay, you have to go and feed the dogs as well because they have sounded quite hungry throughout this stream and kick the sun off fortnight. Um, first yes. of all, Nathan and Carl, thank you very much for giving your time and being so transparent and honest with the Adelaide United fans. I've had a look through the chat. I can see Ian Smith is speaking to the fans as well, um, trying to explain why we haven't signed Messi. So we'll leave that responsibility up to Ian. Um, as you can see, sadly, he hasn't responded to me. Um, but Ian, thank you very much for everything that you do. But as we said at the start, um, this is something we would have loved to do in person to have that connection with the fans. But we didn't want to put it off anymore. We wanted to actually do this. Nathan, I think your kids are home, so we'll uh, we'll let you go in a second as well. Um, the merchandise offer is still on, so it is still on with free shipping. You can go online to get the merchandise. Uh, Nathan, good luck. Thank you very much. We hope to do this again before the season starts in a face-to-face environment. If we can, we'll, I'm sure we'll try and think of something leading into the season. And Carl, good luck with the pre-season when you can do it. Um, thank you again for being so open with the fans, guys. Thanks, Jared. Thanks, Jared. And thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Take care. This is uh, going on Facebook, as you know, guys. So if you have any other questions, send them into the club. Keep supporting Adelaide United. Thank you very much to the partners. And we really appreciate you tuning in. Keep on supporting the Reds. The season will be here once again before we know it. FFA Cup action and the Roos They kick off in just over an hour's time. So support football in South Australia and nationally as well. Thanks for watching.